All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? All good. I really hope we've both watched the same shows. If we haven't, I say we just power on through anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just say what I've watched, and you can tell me how that would have been, and then you'll do the same for me. <laughs> I think I think it's the only way. We just have to put a line under it, get past this, and back onto the weeklies. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, you need to go back and watch the previous show. Uh, it's Royal Rumble 93 versus Super Brawl 3, but now we're actually going to talk about Super Brawl 3 this time around, as opposed to the Clash of the Champions that I watched by mistake last time. Um, pray to God. If not, I'm just going to go on Wikipedia and make some. Sh- I'll just make some shit up. I'll just, I'll just find the show you've done, and I'll go, yeah, yeah, it was great. Love that sunset flip. The, the morals of the story is, under no circumstances, uh, arrange podcast content when drinking. Yep, I can definitely vouch for that. I think somewhere in the conversation, we both had too much to drink, and I began watching the right show, had a panic attack, stopped, and watched the wrong show. So I should have just powered on through. Yeah, and uh, I tend to catch up a lot on my whatsapp messages after you know later on uh, after i finish work or whatever so the chances of me having a tasty beverage is quite high (laughs) so what we're going to do this time around for something a little bit different is talk about super brawl 3 and then compare it to the royal rumble which we've already discussed on the previous episode and give our winner but because we've got only one show to talk about and um we're not gonna have the halftime break and all that in between i thought we'd start off a little bit different this time and richie and i are just going to very quickly discuss our top five favorite tag teams so richie did you have time to mull over this or do you have this list sort of stored in the brain and ready for a moment's notice it was a bit of a mulling process i, I set myself a few rules uh Rule one was I'm not allowed to pick a tag team that's not a tag team and is just two stars chucked together, irrelevant of how much I like it. So fortunately, knocked the rock and sock connection. But mm, uh, I also kind of uh, didn't allow myself uh, any time Kane's a partner with somebody that's uh, mismatched because then that would be the top five of, you know, basically Kane's uh, tag team partners that aren't matched, one with Rob Van Dam. X-Pac. Big show I really like, especially the bit where they're like, are you alright man? And then he walks up behind him. Uh, and obviously Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Hurricane as well, actually. Hurricane, yeah. And so we're forgetting okay, Undertaker. Looking... Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, I love the Brothers of Destruction, but again, I, I, in a way, I don't feel they're a tag team. But they are. But they're kind of, it's not, they just come together and help each other out. So, I tried as hard as humanly possible to not do it. But then I realized that my years watching wrestling and my attachment will always be the attitude era being the cliched wrestling fan that I am. So most of them are going to come from there just because that's the, the, the biggest attraction I've got to that time to sort of like to, to a set of tag team wrestlers. Uh, it's not that I, I, I would say that anyone else isn't good. It's just, just don't have the, I know they're good, but they just don't get me in the fields as it were. So I want to go. Edge and Christian, you're never going to beat. Some may argue not. In this day and age, if you go back and watch, they're solid. But I just think that whole persona that they had of heels was so 
clever in a way when they were acting dumb that it, you couldn't help but hate them, but also like what they were doing. Uh, and I think they, they were obviously part of that uh, period of time with great tag teams. I'm also going to go, again, Hardy Boys. Uh, I just loved what they were doing. And maybe if I watched it now, I maybe wouldn't. But they just seemed to, again, I, I enjoyed the stories. They, I ne- they never did really much for me when they weren't tag teams. Uh, in fact, I'll go as far as say Team Extreme's probably a fairer description. Put Lita in there as well, because uh, I think they, all three of them as that package was what, what was what did it. Uh, New Age Outlaws. Now, I'm going to say, right, that is entirely based on the intro. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I know... Road dog can't wrestle. I don't understand the pump handle slam pretending to uh, <laughs> with the bumming. Someone, yeah, with the bumming. Uh, and I know basically it was all built for Billy Gunn's hot tags. But I, I just it, again, it's it's a, it's a period of time that just again I, I just look at fondly. Uh, the other one I, I had, and I, I I was starting to you know when you start thinking you go oh what about this what about that what about this but. I did own an APA t-shirt, so I've got to put in the APA. Was it the uh, always pounding the... ass one? No, I couldn't find that one. <laughs> I would have had it. Back, <laughs> back when I was gigging in a band, I went through a period of just wearing, uh, well, trying to wear wrestlers t-shirts on stage, but I wanted to get more and more uh, obscure ones. So the APA was a pretty obscure one. And I'm going to go for the last team. And it's an odd one because I don't really have that much attached to him, but I'm going to go Demolition. Oof, because gotcha. I, I, th- I the the thing with Demolition is, I, I whenever they come on, I'm like, fuck, yeah, it's Demolition. Yeah, I've got no link to them. They, 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 they mean as much to me as like the Rock and Roll Express do, but I just go, fuck, it's Demolition. That's awesome. Uh, th- so that would be my five. But I, I know there's like Road Warriors and, you know, all the other people. That, that have knocked about. I am going to say this, and it might be controversial, but, and I remember them in TNA generation me. I've never been that into the young books. No, I, I agree with that. They don't do anything for me. Um, that's a solid list, actually. I, um, I've got two of the same. So, <laughs> my five has got two of the same and three different. But, um, yeah, no, I think that's a really good list. I couple of teams on there that I could have easily taken. I was I loved the APA. They're not on my list, but I definitely like. I, I think mine skew a lot older than yours, but it's mostly because of the length of time the run went for in the Attitude Era. We had some great tag teams, but they just kept trying to split them up, and make singles out of them, right? So it didn't work for me. But my five, I one of the ones I share with you is definitely Demolition. I am a huge Demolition fan. Loved them. Heel face, Mr. Fuji, pretty much everything but Crush. I loved them. Possibly one of the best entrance songs in wrestling history as well, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that they overshot. I don't know. I never really got that feeling with the Road Warriors in the WWF. Uh, as much as I think they were big elsewhere, mostly because, as a lot of the, those wrestlers learned, that once they got to the land of cartoon, a lot of their aura was lost. Yeah, I agree. Um, they they certainly 
they, they didn't get the push in WWF that I think they should have done, but they are on my list as well. The, the Legion of Doom um, loved them in the early nineties. Um, the, the run was too short, but coming back into WCW and then LOD two thousand, I got a good enough run out of them. I think ninety through to ninety two, and then sort of ninety six, ninety seven. That that was enough for them to to scrape it on my list. Very underrated in the WWF and possibly slightly overrated in the NWA. So I think there's a balance in there somewhere, but definitely on my top five. Next on the top five for me was the Rockers. I absolutely loved this tag team as a kid. Um, innovative stuff. Their matches with the Orient Express were, were class. Uh, their opener at WrestleMania 7 with the Barbarian and Haku is a really criminally underrated WrestleMania match. And yeah, Shawn Michaels went on to have a reasonably decent career afterwards. And Marty Jannetty tweets a lot of things he regrets in the morning. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought that Shawn Michaels would turn out to be the less fuck up and find God out of that, out of that pairing? Indeed. Um, another one from that sort of same era. I'm a big fan of the Heart Foundation, so they make my top five. Um, again, Brett went on to a pretty decent career. I thought the Anvil, I, I mean, I'm guessing drugs probably played a part, but I thought he was underrated as a singles and probably could have gotten more out of his career than he did. Um, he became a bit of a joke later on in the, in the late 90s, which was unfortunate because he was a decent power wrestler. And I think the, Brett Booker kind of alludes to that, doesn't it? That when they go single, Anvil was just a little bit too crazy. Yeah. And the other one that we share is the New Age Outlaws. I'm a huge New Age Outlaws fan, so they're the sole representation of the of the Attitude Era. Um, something about that team, the sum was by far greater than the parts, right? So, like, it was just... They, they were incredible together, and it was just magic and chemistry that just never stopped. I uh, I've not watched... I was. I think I mentioned it quite a few times, but I was doing like a run from the start of Nitro, basically what your podcast is doing, uh, and I got to about mid to late '97. So I, I, you know, I've seen the roadie, I've seen Rockabilly, uh, I probably saw uh, him in the Smoking Guns. There is nothing that prepares you. So like in the run up to those two, like deciding to team up, uh, there's nothing to suggest that the New Age Outlaws would be a thing. I don't think you look either of them and think that is a bona fide massive pop uh, tag team. And 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 let's let. I mean, I know people say history is and hindsight's uh, well, it's rose tinted glasses, but their pop was one of the biggest of the nights when they came out. And you've got up to they team up and run that run into the WrestleMania. They are just two jobbers having a kind of having a feud in the honky tank honky tonk man. He's kind of hanging around. Yeah, all class. And they carried the tag team division on their back for a couple of years before Hardy's, Dudley's, and everyone else gets really involved. Um, very limited. Even, na- even the name is fucking cool. Yeah. No, they're brilliant. Just, and again, criminally underrated. Like I think because they didn't do the swantons and the, the planches and all that, they never really got their due. They are legitimately one of the best packages in tag team wrestling. Defo. They, they, they had everything and suffered probably the most with the booking at the time uh which was split teams up teams together try and do this try and do that and they never ever were as popular than that period when the start like the 98 99 run uh run in the attitude era and uh, they, they they couldn't really even when the x turned heel again 
Then they turn heel and join the corporation. I think with Triple H, it just, it just they 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 were just faces people wanted to chant along. Yeah, Road Dog. They couldn't be Road Dog after the entrance, really, could they? <clears throat> no, and, and that was the thing. He started off; it was an obnoxious entrance, and uh, as as all great face turns go, you go from these guys are absolute fucking pricks. The same with The Rock uh, to you're waiting for that promo and you don't even realise that suddenly you're cheering them on. Exactly. So, solid list. Um, some really good tag teams there. If anyone wants to tweet in and agree, disagree, feel free. But that is sort of the little precursor we had ready for everyone. And now we're going to go across and chat about Super Brawl 3. Are you ready for this, Richie? Oh, yeah. I can't remember any of it. <laughs> The struggle between the two dominant powers in World Championship Wrestling has escalated into a raw and brutal rivalry. In an attempt to permanently eliminate Sting, the monstrous world champion has issued a dangerous challenge. Sting, this isn't business, this is personal. I'm gonna hurt you, brother. I'm gonna hurt you bad. So now, after weeks of uncontrollable mayhem, Sting stands up to the evil Big Van Vader and embarks on a quest to conquer the White Castle of Fear. So Super Brawl 3 opens up with um, footage of Vader whipping Sting, which will be spliced into the intro there, so you will have all just heard it. And then we get Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt telling us that Ron Simmons was injured, so Max Payne will now face Dustin Rhodes for the US title. Don't know about you, Richie, but this one didn't please me one bit. No, I was not happy uh, hearing that Mr. Payne was going to be going in the match because I knew for a fact they weren't going to put the belt on him. Uh, and rightfully so, but just don't put him in there. Um Missy then says she's going to have a surprise interview for us later. Johnny B. Bad comes out to join. They sort of do these segments in between matches where they throw to Missy Bischoff and sometimes Johnny B. Bad. Um, he runs down the card with a rhyme, which was pretty lame, before they send it over to Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura, which I'm looking forward to the old 1990 WWF combo coming back into WCW here. Um, and they throw us to Max Payne, who's going to play the anthem. And straight away, my note says... This is going to be pretty shit, but I'm going to let Richie decide this because he's the guitar expert on the podcast. I was waiting for it. I thought, here he goes. He's he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be miming, and it's gonna be that thing where it's like it looks like he's on uh, top of the pops, and then he fucking played it, and it was good. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation. It's, it's, like, like he, he, it's. It's it's known as quite a tricky tune. He's playing it live, which obviously, like nerves wise, is 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 something. He's got no no one to protect it. He's got nothing behind him, and he just just rocks out the national anthem. And I was like, I I I, I have to take back what I said on the previous uh, podcast about him having a guitar and not knowing how to play guitar because the guy is a good guitarist. <laughs> He's a shit wrestler, but like. Why didn't he make money as a guitarist? <laughs> he's no dynamic dude, but he's also no dynamic dude in the ring. <laughs> no, I just I, I was I was blown. I was like, could he could he have learnt that? And he's not playing it. And I'm like, no, no. If you go to that level to learn, like to be able to lip sync that, 
which uh, you do. We, you might as well learn it in the first place. So no, I have to give him uh, credit where credit's due. That was uh, that was that was the only time I'll say Max Payne did something good. Write it down, people. That'll be the the one and only compliment Max Payne ever gets on this podcast. I can't see that changing. <laughs> we then go to a match I was I was a little bit excited for here. Um, the Hollywood Blondes taking on um, Marcus Bagwell and Eric Watts. Um, not so much Eric Watts, but <laughs> the Blondes for sure. Um, the the excitement I had for the Blondes after coming out was quickly dropped when I realized who they were facing. But still, um, we get a Brian chant early as well. So Pillman's really over with the crowd at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're on the rise. Not unlike the uh, again, the New Age Outlaw stuff we were talking about before that they've put together, but they've got a chemistry. Definitely, we get some chain wrestling and some double teaming from the faces early on. Clotheslines and backdrops to booze, unfortunately, to Eric Watts who hits a sloppy drop uh, drop kick and an arm drag gets more booze. Marcus Bagwell comes in and hits a crossbody and a drop kick. He's not booed as heavily, but Watts is really hated by the crowd here. Bagwell gets a press slam, and Jesse Ventura just blatantly points out the boos. And Tony Schiavone says, and I quote, Are you sure it's not woo? And everybody that's listened to this podcast has to know what I'm about to splice in right here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why do they boo every time Eric Watts comes in the ring, Giovanni? You sure that's boo or is that woo? I don't know. I'll listen next time yeah. he makes a change. Stop talking and listen once in a while. You might find out something. Smithies, are they booing me? Nah, no, they're saying boo earns. Boo earns. Are you saying boo or boo-earns? I was saying boo-earns. <laughs> oh, just brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what's locks on the STF? Um, and the heels double team to get out of it. Uh, we get the hot tag to Marcus Bagwell. Um, we get punches, a power slam, a four-man brawl. Bagwell hits a perfect plex, but Austin drops an elbow to him while he's bridging, and that allows the heels to pick up the one, two, three in a pretty decent opener overall. Eric Watts aside, um, the other three guys definitely entertained and got the crowd into this one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good start. I really like the blondes. Uh, Austin is actually more entertaining here than I think he is later, but it, the gimmick wouldn't work. It was just a really good opener. Eric Watts. Unfortunately, we'll get nothing from this crowd because he is pretty rubbish. But, you know, you know it, 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 it didn't, again, make me regret my life choices as I sat down to watch this as opposed to play Xbox. Yeah, and who and who would think the guy that looks like Barry Horowitz, whose dad is clearly in charge, wouldn't get over with the crowd as a bland baby face? Like, come on, you know, like, I just... Yeah, people talk about Cowboy Bill Watts having all these great ideas and being revolutionary, but this was pretty dumb to think your plain, boring-looking kid's going to get over with the crowd as a fiery baby face. It's it's odd. The, the, like, even Vern with Greg Gagne. Gagne he, a perfect comparison. They, they just... They're, they're great uh, promoters and bookers, and then for reasons unbeknownst to them, can't realise that their offspring is shit. Absolutely. And then don't do their offspring any favours. 
Like instead of just like them playing the forgotten son type gimmick, like dad, you don't love me. You don't, you've always been about the wrestling. Well, I'm going to rip your wrestling company apart and then take it from there. Then they bring him in as like white meat baby face. And you're like, you fuck son. You've just fucked. You fucked him. They're fucked. They're <laughs> never going to be unfuckable. After all the matches tonight, we get these really brief snippets of the White Castle of Fear stuff with Sting and Vader. Um, all the stuff we've all seen and talked about on the podcast before, so I won't go into any great detail. It's just a few second clips each time. But what we will talk about next is Ric Flair's arrival back to WCW. Um, Richie and I obviously talked about his Loser Leaves Town match with Mr. Perfect a few episodes back, and now he's being escorted into the building by security, and Missy Hyatt can't get to him. Big We Want Flair chance from the crowd, and Jesse makes this all about him when he says, the nature boy and Jesse the body in the same place at the same time. I really don't think that's going to have an impact, unfortunately, Jesse. No, he unfortunately says things that his body can no longer, uh, what is it, right checks his book can't, can no longer cash. Exactly. And then we go to a match I was really surprised to, to find. I, I shouldn't be. I know these guys have both been around at the time, but... A WCW pay-per-view with Two Cold Scorpio and Chris Benoit. I was like, is this CCW from 95 or early 96? I was like, because they're even, I mean, spoilers, but they're they're even working kind of that way. Not not like what you'd expect for 1993 uh, wrestling in WCW. They're working a very different style. And speaking of working style, Chris Benoit is working working the most amazing Kentucky waterfall I've seen in a long time. That is a hell of a mullet. Oh, it's, it's, it's pure beauty. And, and and more or less, I think he keeps some kind of like a mullet hairdo for most of his... He, he always leans towards the mullet for, for most of his career, I think. Yep. Maybe slightly less party in the back, but there's definitely a party. Yeah. <laughs> The match starts with a back elbow and a snap suplex from Benoit, crossbody and spin kick from Scorpio, and then they go into some chain wrestling. Two cold rides, Benoit in a hammerlock. They get a Japanese arm drag, and the crowd begins to warm up. We get some really awesome test of strengths with bridges into monkey flips and going both ways. We get a super kick from Two cold, and then a... Um, Tony Schiavone calls them athletes, and Jesse Ventura goes on this weird rant about their wrestlers and wastes a bunch of time arguing about that for no reason. Um... Benoit hits a... I'm sorry, Benoit. I can't read my notes. We get a powerbomb here, and we hear there's three minutes left in the match for some reason. Um, Too Cold hits an Enziguria clothesline and a -a tilt-a-whirl top top splash. Sorry, a tilting top rope splash for a two. Benoit hits an electric face buster, and then he gets a second rope leg drop for a two. We get a roll-up and a countdown, um, and then... Too Cold picks up the three with one second left on the clock, and I didn't see that coming. Normally, they go for the pin or the submission as the time's running out. It always gets called a draw, but apparently he snuck it in just in time. So a bit of a unique twist on a lame ending. Yeah, it was, again, it was a match without, I don't remember any build beforehand, just thrown out there where two guys had a good match. And as I, I like a bit storyline, I don't like matches for matches' sake. This one had to be pretty good to keep me invested because I'm, I tend to zone out when it's dudes just doing moves, but no, it's good. You know, really good timing on the ending. Absolutely. Then we go to Bischoff with Max Payne. Um, how much of this guy do we have to see in one night? Like in segment two with him, and I'm already annoyed. I can't understand a word he says when he's on promos. He just mumbles away from the mic, and I legitimately have nothing to tell you about what he said. He is a terrible promo. 
I think he says something about voices in his head and talking to his guitar. Mostly it was just bollocks. Awesome. <laughs> we then get Bill Irwin versus the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith in WCW. Um, pretty early on here, I realise they're not going to call him the British Bulldog for licensing reasons, so he's just Davy Boy Smith. Um, and we get a really good pop for Davy's first match in WCW. He's very over here in the early 90s. Yep, it was good. Uh, slightly ruined by the fact that the thumbnail on the uh, network showed me a picture of the Bulldog, otherwise I would have had no idea that he was about to debut. So well done, network. Yeah. Uh, they also had one saying, like, talks about his victory for the, for the next thumbnail as well, which is just even better. Yeah. The whole point of the network is to watch shit that you haven't seen. So Exactly, like Two Cold Scorpio in singles action. Hmm. Uh, Bulldogs all power early, press slam. Um, Bill Irwin, do you recognize Bill Irwin at all, Richie? Do you know what his uh, most infamous character he played was? I believe he's the goon. The goon, indeed. Fuck uh, me. Just, he gets some... <laughs> go on. I just remembered his boots with the so-called uh, skates on the bottom of them. Oh, so bad. He gets a pretty awful-looking hip toss, a clothesline, and a back elbow. We get a slugfest here before Bulldog goes with a delayed vertical for, and a clothesline for a two. Um, catches Irwin coming off the second rope and hits him with the power slam for the one, two, three. But for my money, this was far too competitive for what should have been a Davy Boy entrance uh, squash match. I thought he let Irwin get too much in and it diminished Davy a little bit coming out of the other end. Yeah, I agree. I didn't understand why it wasn't in vertical suplex, power slam, here I am. But I don't know, maybe they wanted to make him look Maybe part of it was that the NWA or WCW, that kind of wrestling crowd, were quite against the WWF wrestlers at the time because it car- it's that cartoony northern wrestling. And maybe like the, the part of the reasoning was, well, let's show what he can do so people accept he can wrestle as opposed to just being this caricature. But I, 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 I think it did him more damage. I think people know he can wrestle, uh, and certainly putting him against Bill Irwin. He should have been two minutes max. I agree. He then cuts a promo, which I'll splice in right here. Hey, it was a tremendous win in his debut in WCW. The fans behind this man. Let's walk into World Championship Wrestling. The British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Tremendous win. Well, I'll tell you what, while Bill Irwin was a tough competitor. Well, Tony Giovanni, what a welcome it's been for the British Bulldog. Right here in Asheville, live on pay-per-view. I've come to the WCW for one reason. That is to become the World Championship Heavyweight Champion of the World. So let's get down to it. Big Van Vader, I'm looking forward to your match tonight with the sting and that strap. But Van Vader... If you happen to keep that bell tonight, just remember one thing. The British Bulldog is here in the WCW. And the British Bulldog is hungry and he's coming after you. All 400 pounds plus. I'm hungry and I'm going to eat you up, Van Vader, with all the support of my fans. The British Bulldog TV. And I, I don't think that helped him too much either. He was um, 
a little bit bland for my money and just rambled on a little bit. Not a really classic, fiery, welcome to WCW promo that I, I was hoping for. Well, yeah, and he's blown up. It'd have been better. I, I just, yeah, like you said, there would have been far better ways to debut people. And he, he was never really known for like, he's more, I guess, more of a Brett promo than a Sean promo. But given some time in the back, he could have come up with something better than trying to do it live on the mic after a match, which is always a bit bit risky. I agree. Um, Johnny B. Bad and Missy Hyatt then throw to Eric Bischoff, who is about to interview Paul Orndorff, but Cactus Jack chases him out for their Falls Count Anywhere match, and we don't get the promo. They brawl along the outside. We get a um, slam and elbow on the concrete for a two, and then a sunset flip off the second rope to the concrete, and Cactus Jack, like for all the good stuff he does, moves like that, just say, fucking idiot. Um, There is absolutely no reason to do a sunset flip onto the concrete. Like, it's not... Like, to, to get a, a two-count roll-up, like, you're really going to break your back on concrete for a near-fall that no one will ever buy? Yeah, I just, it was like, it's it's times like this. It's like, why 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 would you do that? I know why you're getting over, but it's not sustainable. Uh, yeah, I agree. And false count anyway is the wrong name for this. It should just be called Cactus Jack takes a series of ugly bumps on concrete match. It's just terrible. They brawl around the arena. Um, we get a suplex onto the barricade, which looks really nasty. That just shouldn't happen. Paul Orndorff with a chair to Cactus's leg uh, a couple of times. They go- He goes into the crowd. Cactus Jack comes out with a shovel, nails Orndorff, and picks up the one, two, three. This was pretty long and dull, even though I, I went through it pretty quickly, with dumb spots and a dumb ending. I just, yeah, I like Orndorff and I like Cactus and I like Falks Count Anywhere matches, but the combo of those three together did not work for me. No. It, it was just unnecessarily violent. Like, like, but not in the way that that is, I don't know. Like you say, I'm not I'm not. I'm not part of the match when he's jumping off and backflipping onto concrete or going into the into the barrier. It's more like, and maybe again because we see him now, you're just like, why the fuck would you do that, Mick? Exactly. Just yeah, no point to it. And speaking of no point, <laughs> the next match it's the Heavenly Bodies versus the Rock and Roll Express. Jim Cornette would kill me if he heard the way I talk about these guys, but I don't mind the Heavenly Bodies that showed up in um. In the WWF, which was um, Dr. Tom and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. But um, this version with Dr. Tom and Stan Lane is not the same. And the Rock and Roll Express, I've made quite clear a number of times. I feel like these days I'm one of the older wrestling fans knocking around. I remember the late 80s, but I can't remember the Rock and Roll Express ever looking anything like anything other than my granddad picking a fight down the pub. Yeah, this this on paper was an odd choice for them to uh, promote. I've got to be honest. The refs send Bobby Eaton to the back before the match starts. We get a head scissors and a rana from Gibson and Morton. Um, we get a four man brawl. All the faces are on offense early. We get a Enzigori from Gibson. And then we get a stupid spot where Stan Lane bumps into Jim Cornette because it was just so badly telegraphed to set it up. Jim Cornette then nails Ricky Morton in, um, and we get the face in peril for a bit uh, with the racket he nails him, sorry. We get a four-man brawl, the double drop kick, which the commentators try to sell as the big finish, but it, it's just so lame. The Rockers 
through that as a transition spot now. And, you know, moves like the DDT, you really regret seeing become that. But a double drop kick's not impactful. It's just pretty lame. Cornette comes in and we get a bulldog from Dr. Tom. Bobby Eaton comes out and accidentally nails his partner. And this allows the faces to pick up the one, two, three. Bit of a formulaic sort of, you know, rock and rolls, midnight kind of match with Jim Cornette's botched interference. Nothing for me. I'm sure people loved it, but I couldn't care less for this match. What about you, uh, Richie? The match was fine. Uh, and I can see what it was kind of doing. But again, I don't Well, I don't, I don't really have any attachment to any of the, the tag teams that were involved. And also, I just... It just felt... I don't know. It felt out of place to me. And a little... Uh, I don't know. It was like they were doing the greatest hits, but while they they're still like still relevant to a certain extent to that audience, I don't know. Uh, so it was all right. I, I don't. I don't. I'm with you. I don't understand the Rock and Roll Express. I, I probably would have to go and see early '80s stuff with the Midnight Express. Uh, so like '85 and and see what it was. But I I, I just don't. I don't, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. At least it's not just me. <laughs> the next match we have is uh, Max Payne versus Dustin Rhodes for the US title, which Dustin is holding. Um, we have a Dustin Rhodes clothesline and a roll-up to start with before working on the arm. Um, he then... Oh, I can't, I can't, again, I can't read my writing, but I've got the, the Max Payne begs off. We get an arm drag and then a Max Payne clothesline. He starts a series of wear down moves working on the arm. It's very slow. We get a Dustin clothesline and a suplex for a two. An abdominal stretch before, inexplicably, Max Payne grabs the referee and pulls him into Dustin Rhodes. Um, I have no idea why he would do that, uh, but instantly gets himself disqualified in what I would imagine is one of very few title shots he would ever get. What, what did you think about wank. that, Richie? Uh, all right, Ron Simmons can't <laughs> wrestle. Okay, who are we going to put in his place? Max Payne. All right. Fair enough. Put Max Payne in. You know, sometimes people's careers are made in these these uh, situations that weren't planned. But then they have a competitive match. Fair enough. That's great. I, I can live with that. You know, it's not the greatest wrestler in the world. Then to just grab the ref to get DQ just shits on it and anybody watching it because it makes no fucking sense at all. It he just looks like a complete and utter fucking idiot, which means that you can no longer accept him as a heel or a baby face because he's stupid. Not wrong at all. Uh, oh, this was just terrible. Um, really, really poor. I, I hated this. He does a beat down afterwards, but it's not enough to get back in. Um, Dustin Rhodes even fights back against a beat down anyway, so there's no heat for anyone. And it rates a solid 5 out of 10 the on the Hammerlock scale. If you scale. pause the video, you can see the, pit, the bit where his career ends, to paraphrase uh, Bart and Lisa talking about <laughs> Ralph Wiggum. Because that's it. He's done. Perfect. Love a good Simpsons reference on the show. He's done. Uh, until oh, yeah. he comes in, I think Man Mountain Rock, which I think is also shit. 
Yeah, when when Bill Watts decides he needs another big heel to challenge for a title, I don't believe he'll choo choo choose Max Payne again. (laughs) We then get Ric Flair out um, to interview with Tony Schiavone, which I will splice in right about here. You know, there are moments like this in a sold-out Asheville Civic Center with millions of fans watching on pay-per-view that we all just dream about. The only thing I can say is, welcome back, Ric Flair. Well, let me just say that in life sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. And WCW, the nature more is back to rock and roll. Nature Boy Ric Flair will be sitting with us here at ringside for this NWA title bout against the great Muda and Barry Windham. We feel honored to have you with us, and I know it's going to be a big bout. It's great to have you back. The fans are here behind you, and a big night we're having so far. We're live! We're up! The lights are bright! The city's on fire! And now we're wrestling for the title I never lost. Woo! Gary Capetta, take it away! And then he joins the commentary team after the promo, um, which makes the Barry Windham versus Great Muda NWA title match seem a lot more important with Flair on the commentary team taking an interest in the winner in the match. I thought that was a really nice touch. It's very confusing having the two belts at the moment, and it's like the the big gold has become the secondary title to the WCW, but they still want to treat it as being like with this the lineage before they merge them back. But at least this made it feel prestigious. I think it's clever because now. the crowd wanted Flair. Uh, and they would have wanted Flair in one of the title matches. So get Flair out now uh, and put him on the commentary. And then they he, he's sort of like he's dealt with. So nobody's waiting for, is Ric Flair going to come out? Because he's already there. All they could be waiting for is if he's going to do a, like a running or interfere. But it seems unlikely uh, he would, would do that because he's just sat at the desk. So I think it was clever. I don't think it helps Barry Wynn particularly, but... Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And um, the referee then runs through the rules like UFC or boxing style with the microphone, but he does a poor job. I'll play it here for everyone to to decide, but I thought you've got to put a good referee in if you're going to do a spot like this. He doesn't get the points over, and it's that thing. It's it's, uh, Chekhov's referee. Oh, I suppose it's Chekhov's gun. He's there for. They generally do that for a reason because they're going to call back to it later on. So you have to know it was there and you, it's in the back of your mind to call back to it. You don't want it telegraphed, but you need to call, be able to exactly. call back to it. And go. And, and then, then when you go, oh, oh, yeah, they said that. Smith, the representative of WCW, we go to the ring and we're going to listen in to the pre-match rundown. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion Belt. As I instruct the rules in the dressing room, we will go by the NWA rule. I'd like to remind you that throwing over the top is an automatic disqualification. Understand? Also, you cannot run your opponent's head into the steel post. That result is an automatic disqualification. Understand? But, but make sure he understands the rules. 
but the NWA allows you to come off the top rope. So good luck. We start the match with a test of strength and some chain wrestling and then a spin kick from Muda. We get a suplex and a spinning elbow. It's very much the, the chain of this match is a slow move, a slow move, a quick burst of energy. That goes for like the first 10 minutes. It goes in that order. Like slow, 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 quick speed up, back to slow. It's it's very jarring actually how obvious yeah, it is in this I match. I was expecting more, uh, more fluidity, like a match that built, but... Uh, given the, the two people in there. But, yeah, like you say, it never really feels like it gets going. It's like getting to a really good breakdown in the middle of a song and then they just start the chorus again. Yeah, and there's lots of good, good moves in it, but they're just so far apart and with no real rhythm. Like, we get a DDT from Wyndham and a back suplex on the floor, which is great, and then he locks in a sleeper for a while. We get a gut wrench suplex and a near fall for a two, and then it just slows back down. We get a mood across body and a top rope axe handle followed by a handspring elbow, but then he misses a moonsault and it slows down again. Um, Barry Windham actually hits a DDT for the one, two, three, and that is the end of the match. But this one was a, a pretty long slog. Did you did you enjoy this, Richie, or did, were you on the same page as I me? It was just far to zone too out slow. A little bit because, there, like you say, there was no rhythm to the to the match at all. And I don't. It was one of those things I was watching where I was thinking, well, Barry Windham isn't. Heel or face, well, I think he's, he's a, a heel at the minute, but he's not portraying any kind of fire, right, I want to win this. You're the champion, I want to win this, irrelevant of a heel or face. He just just seems to have less uh, urgency than he should have. He should be like like desperately, not desperately, but you know, high energy, and it, it, they never do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ric Flair comes in the ring and presents the belt to him. Like, he tries to strap it on him, and Barry Windham saw him come in the ring, but then was a bit weirded out when he realized it was Flair strapping the belt on him. They have a little face-off, but Flair doesn't seem to rattle him. Um, I think the story they were going for here is Flair's inside of his head and isn't bothered by it. So, uh, you know, maybe that's what they're going for, and if so, they, they achieve it was, that. I was, I was, uh, it was a little bit... And then Hogan, we go to... Uh, oh, sorry, go on. Ultimate Warrior with the Flair giving him the belt, because... In a way, everyone's now looking what Flair's going to do as opposed to Wyndham. But let's face it, it's Rick fucking Flair and it's WCW. It's 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 not a no-brainer to guess what he's going to be doing next, is it? Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, in a way, it was an attempt to have Flair pass on the torch without actually being involved Certainly in the Certainly he's match, better so... at it than Hogan ever was. Indeed. We then go to our main event, which is Sting versus Vader for the WCW title. Um, this is one that I was looking forward to, the White Castle of Fear strap match. I mean, the, the video packages and everything are hokey, but I think Vader and Sting is a match that excites me. I was really looking to forward this to this, and I despise strap matches. I agree. At least this one didn't seem to have a lot of the WWF bullshit that, you know, the same old finish every time. Face touches the buckles behind the heel, then doesn't move on the yeah, fourth and touches it I before them. As, as strap matches go, this was good, but I still in the, the pantheon of match stipulations. I think the strap match is still one that doesn't work for me particularly. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. They also call it. They also call it a lights out. This match, match is um, lights on. Yeah, a lights out strap match with full lighting. They say it's not sanctioned by WCW, and that comes up on the screen as well. I, I think I've just seen that too many times over the year. It's just a corny little gimmick to make it seem like it's going to be far more more. Um, I don't know of than what any corporation in the world that would give somebody free TV time if it wasn't sanctioned. They'd be like, "No, go to the car park." Exactly. Yeah, it just wouldn't be on a pay per view. You can't sell it as the main, like the poster yeah, of the pay per view, like, and then uh, say it's unsanctioned. I'm not up on boxes uh, nowadays, but it'd be like, uh, was it uh, Floyd Mayweather and Pacquiao? And they went, and they just went, oh yeah, yeah we're not sanctioning this one. So, because uh, Pacquiao wants to wrestle without his gloves, uh, box without his gloves on, so we're not sanctioning it. But here you are, it's on pay per view. It just wouldn't happen. No, definitely not. The match starts with um, a Vader clothesline and a second rope splash. Sting comes back and hits drop kicks and a clothesline and a top rope splash. We get some whipping with the strap. Vader's back bleeds, so Sting is really laying it into him here. That's pretty painful. They brawl on the outside, and um, we get a second rope uh, Samoan drop from Vader, which is just incredible. Like to think of Vader coming off the second rope and Samoan dropping you—that's pretty would spectacular. Need a significant amount of money to take that bump. <laughs> Enough to buy a whole new oh, rib cage, yes. I would imagine. He misses a Vader bomb, and we get a superplex, and then three posts from Sting. He's in control for a while, but the ref gets bumped. Uh, he carries Vader to three corners and then trips over the ref at the fourth. Vader's a bloody mess and he drags Sting around and they tussle for the fourth. But eventually Vader gets it. Um, Sting goes and puts an arm on him afterwards. It's it's decent, but an odd ending. Like Vader kind of just wrestled in and won, which is pretty fair. So <laughs> I didn't see that one coming that, you know, Vader would win without any significant interference from Harley Race or any screwy ending. Um, and we get... Yeah, just a pretty clean victory for Vader over Sting. What did you think about that, Rich? I was expecting shenanigans or a Sting wing. I wasn't expecting uh, sort of like, there there you go, Vader won the strap match because he did what he said he was going to do, which isn't generally how heels win. Yeah, it's an interesting piece of booking, that one. We then go to the final section of the night, and it's a Barry Windham promo with um, Eric Bischoff, and then the commentators sign off on the show. So a bit of an odd last yeah, 10 minutes flat. of the show, to be honest. I think I think part of it was you've got an unsanctioned match, uh, and then Vader wins it by not cheating. I know, I know technically it would be uh, <laughs> no disqualification uh, with the strap, but, you know, there's, there's still there's no disqualification. No disqualification matches, but if Vader pulled out a gun, people would probably suggest that that was, uh, you know, not fair play. Indeed, yeah, it's um, a bit of a strange one. So, yeah, um, Vader gets a win, and we end with a promo and some commentary chat. Not quite what I had in mind, but okay. And that now means we've got to compare this show that we've just talked about today to the Royal Rumble, which we talked about two weeks uh, ago. So, are remember. you ready to give this a whirl? So, we've got to rate it on the five categories, as always, which we're going to start with crowd heat. Um, I 
I'm going to probably struggle on, on this one a little bit. I actually kind of think the Royal Rumble had the better crowd, but it might just be because I have more vivid memories of that. I think the crowd were into parts of this, but they were more into flair than anyone actually wrestling. Um, what did you think I about that, Richie? would have... I'm, the Rumble. because I, I just think you always get that kind of pop and from uh, the crowd when somebody comes out of the Rumble. It's not the greatest Rumble, uh, but I, yeah, I don't think the crowd's quite as hot for WCW. I think they might have been if they'd not put in a couple of uh, odd matches like the Rock and Roll Express and the, uh, and Max Payne. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about production? I always go with WWF for this, WWF for this, and I don't think tonight's going to be any different. Um, but do you disagree, no, or did same, you same, think the same way again, as usual again? <laughs> they even. <laughs> Is, is a spoiler for like even when they've got a ton of money and doing nitro they still tend to look more rubbish than the wwf uh even like 96 97 there's just something about it that just looks off uh and this is this is no exception the the fed wins again what about um characters who do you think featured the better characters on the show this should probably in theory be a tougher one because that 93 rumble was not star studded um but there are some other names on the show um whereas wcw prop bringing back flair did that sway you all, like which way I'm did you go, go for one? a draw uh bit of a cop out because you've got on the rumble you at least you've got taker sean marty brett hall and then a few nothings but on the other side we've got uh flair we've got maybe bulldog coming back although you know he's he doesn't really do himself any favors so I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go straight down the middle plus uh you've got cactus jack who at least is interesting i actually um I went WCW marginally for this one. I, I probably could have gone draw like you, but um, I thought Bulldog and Flair coming across probably just edged it for me. So I went with them on a Can't very, very that. narrow victory. What about sto- what about storylines? Who do you think had the better storylines on the night? Hmm. I'm going to go WCW. If, uh, if I remember the Rumble uh, in itself, the, there isn't a lot of, even like the, the Rockers match doesn't, I mean, it kind of does a bit of storyline, but it's not, it doesn't really, you know, doesn't really excite me that much. Brett and, and uh, Razor Ramon is kind of the end of a storyline. And you've, unfortunately, the only real storyline I can remember from the Rumble really is Giant Gonzalez and The Undertaker, whereas WCW, you've got quite a good thread of, stuff coming through you've got the end of cactus jack paul orndorff you've got uh the setup with flair windham probably mutant mooters in there and also probably sting and vader is still going to keep going uh one way or the other so i'm going to go wcw on the night yeah i probably went the same i felt like the wwf didn't really have a great set of storylines um that would be the first year that the winner of the rumble goes into wrestlemania and i don't think yoko and brett had any real previous history um 
nothing else really on the show. Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez, yes, I'll grant you, was a good story. Unfortunately, it didn't get any better than this night. Um, but overall, I think WCW for sure, and I agree with you on that one. What about match quality? This is probably going to be the one that decides it for, for tonight. Who do you think right. had the better matches on the night? I don't think it's fair. I think the, the thing with the Rumble <laughs> is the match quality is always what it, it's a battle royale. It, 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 there's only so much stuff they can do in there. So I, I'm going to, I don't think I should use that to its detriment. So I think, I think we're looking at like the Brett Razor Ramon match and the Rockers match, probably on the WWF side versus what was on the other side. I think I'm going to go WCW because I think thinking about it, they're, they're besides probably Gold Dust and Max Payne, there's nothing on there that's I don't think was particularly rubbish, but there was also some, some very good at the start with the Blondes, uh, and even Eric Watts did his part. Then uh, Benoit and Tooth Cold have a pretty good match. The strap match doesn't bore me to death. Uh, and I wasn't... It was all right. The Heavenly Bodies versus Rock and Roll Express was, was good for what it was. It just wasn't for me. I actually went the other way around and I went WWF because I just thought the WWF wasn't stellar by any stretch. But other than Benoit and Too Cold, a lot of the WCW matches fell really flat, either went too long or served no purpose. Whereas the WWF was just average, guys. The Rumble's always fun no matter what. And I think the um, was it the Steiners and the Beverly's was, was quite decent. The Boss Man and Bigelow was okay. Um, so, yeah, I went with um, WWF, but I, I can definitely see both sides of the spectrum. That brings us out looking like WWF has got one, two, three, four, five. WCW has one, two, three, four. So WWF takes a very, very marginal victory for this one here. Of the uh, of the pay per views, they both could give out. It's probably a good description of them. These are these are all right. They're 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 not the bottom of. Their show, if you were to do a top 10 Rumble or... Uh, well, it won't be top 10 Rumble, but if you're going to put them in order, there's probably worse Royal Rumble shows and there's probably worse Super Brawls, but they're certainly not uh, stellar by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, absolutely not. These were um, two average shows in down periods for the for wrestling in general, so... I am by no means saying the Rumble is a great show. I very much doubt you're saying the same thing about Super Brawl. But, um, yeah, I, I think at least they were decent enough. And, you know, I really wanted to watch the Rumble. I, I hate going past the Rumble in a timeline and not watching it. So we got that out the way. Nice and yeah, I don't, I don't haven't actually managed to turn this into two podcasts. So what do you know? Uh, I think the TV has been a lot better than the pay-per-views have been, uh, which I was surprising it was that way around. But there you go. Yeah, I agree completely, mate. I think um, I'm, I'm looking forward to us getting back to Raw and Saturday night personally. And um, yeah, there's not too many more pay-per-views coming up in the next sort of six months worth of programming. So we should be back to our yeah, short, sharp episodes and not watching the wrong pay-per-views. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for this show. Um, thank you all for being patient with us. And um, 
allowing us to stretch this over too, thanks to my own stupidity. Um, really appreciate it as always. But overall, I think a really fun way to do this, breaking it up into two sort of medium length parts and, you know, getting to split up the workload a little bit was fun for me and something a bit different. Exactly. We got a little bonus out of it and I will um, review the clash that I watched um but I'll do it against, I think, the last Saturday night's main event. I think they're about six to 12 months apart, but there's not too much, too much else comparable. I'm definitely not doing WrestleMania 9. So I'll do the clash up against the last um, episode of Saturday night's or slash the main event from the early 90s before it got brought back way later. So I want to say that's got a tag match with, like, Macho and Perfect versus Flair and... Um, Razor or something. Oh, that was the Survivor Series. It's got something similar to that on it, I believe. So everyone stay tuned for that. And um, I'll have some more Raw and Nitro coming your way soon as well. So keep an eye on that. And other than that, yeah, everyone stay well. Get in yeah, touch with the show if you like. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. <laughs>